Amen. God is faithful. Jesus came into our heart, and we're having church today. Welcome to Resurrection. All right. Anthony, Dewana, Cassandra, Denise. Woo! Rocking out. <sighs> Today's gospel, Matthew 13. If you look at that second section, Jesus shares his shortest parable. It's so simple, you can get the gist of it in a sentence. A baker puts some yeast in the flour and it becomes bread. Sounds like Jesus was hard up a little bit there, didn't have much to say. Sounds like there's not too much going on there. And yet, sometimes Jesus gets his point across in the actual form. Maybe he wants us to see something that looks simple to challenge us to look deeper. It may appear that there's nothing going on in this parable. And yet, the bread didn't just become bread by itself. In fact, the bread was composed of salt and honey and yeast and flour. And it's only when they came together that bread happened. It was in the synergy of the different parts that community becomes community. Otherwise, you just have some flour setting off by itself. Some honey just kind of being sweet by itself. Some salt over here by itself. But it's when you bring them together that something happens. When you bring them together, you have energy. They become engaged, alive, mobilized. They rise up together. Together they become something more. They become bread, life, sustenance, hope, vitality. There's power when the components come together. It's yeast that is the energy that makes the components come alive. It's yeast that makes bread, bread. So since Jesus is always pointing to a deeper spiritual meaning, what's the spiritual meaning in this? The message coming through is that just as it's yeast that makes bread, bread, what is it that makes people, people? As I looked at this scripture, what came to me is that it's the questions that make us who we are. If we don't ask the questions, then we end up being who someone else says we are. We become defined by the labels that people put on us. But questions, they're like the yeast in our lives. They're like that influence that moves us to who God really has called us to be. It's the questions that empower us to become something more. It's the mixing and the movement. What really happens in this scripture is a call to become open, to open ourselves to the questions, to the air, to each other, to the possibility. 
What does it mean to become open? Becoming open is a form of freedom. It is freedom from the need to control and freedom from having to expend our energies proving our points and patching over the holes in our information. Freedom from having to provide a fully coherent narrative and explain away all inconvenient inconsistencies. Becoming open liberates us to let things be, to take our questions one at a time, to ponder them peacefully, knowing ourselves all the time to be held in a loving and secure embrace of the one who, despite not providing all the answers we want, supplies all our needs. Becoming open liberates us to live joyfully in the midst of mystery, delighting in the play of the mind, the poetic dimensions of mind and tongue, the rich possibilities of meaning available in a single story, and the safety we can experience against all rational odds in the presence of our God, who is both the unimaginable creator of the universe and closer to us than our very breath. Mm. The challenge Jesus is offering here is that challenge to become open. Become open to the different opportunities and people around us. Sometimes that yeast is a question that comes from that person closest to us. Sometimes it's a question that comes from that one that irritates us. Sometimes it's the question that we don't want to ask or be asked. Jesus became open to the challenge of life and to the opportunity. In opening, there is growth and there is life and there is breath and there is movement and mobilization and energy. I can remember one of the tough questions that came to me, a question that provided a little yeast in my day. It was a person who came to my office and asked a question I will never forget. He said, I'm convinced I'm going to hell and you have one hour to convince me otherwise. Under my breath, I immediately began to pray for God to give me the words, to give me the response. But I remember thinking to myself, how do you put the Holy Spirit on that kind of a timeline? Especially when you have someone who has spent their life hearing messages that describe Scripture as being proscriptive rather than descriptive. This person had been put into a toxic box. And I thought to myself, it took me 10, 15, maybe 20 years to answer that question for myself and to live with the, com- the confidence of being beloved by God and receiving unconditional love, how can I get this across in one hour? I tried to go through the different scriptures that talked about God's love and God's grace. I tried to offer some understanding about the scriptures that seem, seem to condemn certain people. But I could tell that years of toxic messages had created resistance. And I saw the look on his face as our time together came to an end. And his last words to me were, you have not convinced me. That was the last time I saw him. He didn't return. But I've continued to pray for him. 
trusting that God would send influencers yeast into his life to begin to create that opening, that possibility. I've been in places where if you want to really whoop up the crowd, you say the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. Now that sounds pretty good and some of us heard that message. You're in the church service and the music is playing and the tempo is rising and the preacher says, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. And that's wonderful unless maybe you happen to be six, seven, eight years old and and what's going on inside your body doesn't match what is seen on the outside of your body and you're at church and the preacher says God created them man and woman God created them and the one looks at themselves and says what about me and if they can't question they are suddenly condemned and the church and those who offer those messages must carry the weight of those condemning messages doesn't matter if you're eight years old or 80 years old if you're trans and you can't question then where do you find your place questions opening seeing possibilities seeing freedom it's only when those of us who have claimed the truth of who we are were able to reframe those scriptures through the power of the Holy Spirit that we've come to a place of freedom and possibility. No longer condemned, but free to live and grow in the love that God offers to each one of us. Oh, we need the questions and we need the yeast. A little bit more about what this yeast is like. When the yeast is added we will see the unpredictable, the alive, which can never own or truly be understood. We will see how it bubbles and froths, how it rises up, and we will know we do not have control. When the yeast is added, we will sense the irrepressible and how it moves in the very cells of our bodies into the blood and the marrow. We are flesh and we are vulnerable. When the yeast is added, the impulsive, the unmanageable, the free, we know we will be moved. Every part of the mixture, the inert lump of dough will come alive, will expand and yield. We will be lifted out of ourselves, beyond ourselves. We will be worked. Mm. The yeast It is the influencer, the mobilizer, the energizer, the life. Our call is to see who God has challenged us to be and to become that yeast, that influencer, that change agent, that life agent. I believe that resurrection is called to be an influencing church. You could call us a yeasty church. (laughs) So how do you become that yeast? Well, get around yeasty people. (laughs) Get around people who lift your spirits when you engage with them. Get around people who lift you up and give you that energy and that strength to live your day with positive vitality and positive force. I think some of us spend too much time around moldy people. (laughs) Rather than enlivening the bread, they mold it. (laughs) 
yeasty people who live with that energy, I mean, they can start their day running late. They can have a flat tire on the way to work and they get to work and the first words out of their mouth is, what a wonderful day. I'm so glad to see you all. They're full of life and yeast. On the other hand, you know those people. You may have someone in your office and you walk in. How's your day? Oh, it's awful. It's just awful. That's a moldy person you're talking to right there. <laughs> and you say, well, what, what could be so bad? Well, do you really have time to hear? <laughs> you know, just, just sit down for a minute. Just sit down for a minute. Let me tell you about my day. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I already say, let me tell you about my day. Are you ready for this? I got into my car today and I was driving to work and finally it hit me and it got me down. My car has lost its new car smell. (laughs) It no longer has that leather smell. The world's falling apart. Life is so awful. Moldy people, yeasty people, which one will you be? Be an influencer, one who brings life. Get around yeasty people and yeasty places where life is happening. Now I see a few of the glances you're giving each other about being a yeasty person. (laughs) I mean that in the best sense of the word. (laughs) We don't want to carry the metaphor too far. (laughs) So we're called to open ourselves to the movement and the air and the life of the Spirit. We're called to be yeast influencer, mobilizers in the world, creating bread. So when the yeast is added, what do you need? You need to rise. Rise to the true calling. Rise to true life. Rise. The rising starts and creeps up the sides of the bowl beyond the rim, reaching out into time and into space, into possibility. Questions are like this, full of air, full of air, going ahead of us, wanting to take us with them, beyond the rim of our horizon, wanting to lift us out of where we are. Questions are like this, unfolding a moment at a time, expanding us, breathing us, demanding something new, wanting to take shape. This is also dangerous, for there are down questions, terrible questions, and the ones where love calls the impossible from us. Can this be the restlessness of God? Are we being questioned? And we thought we were to be asking questions of God. And yet what happens when God asks questions of us? Maybe like the question that Jesus asked his disciples during the week of his passion. When he was facing the toughest moment in his life, he said, can you not stay awake and pray with me for one hour? Will you be yeast for me? Will you lift me in prayer? Will you walk with me on this journey? The question's asked, and suddenly we realize that it was safer just being flour, or it was more comfortable just being honey. Honey. 
And you see the movement in this parable. It seems like nothing's going on. But you have this flour safe over here and this honey being sweet here and this salt over here and this yeast trying to break through. And suddenly the salt starts to get poured in and the honey is saying, don't, you're too sharp, you're bitter. I I like who I am without you. I don't want you burning me this way. And the yeast begins to move and it hurts. And you're frothing and you're bubbling. But then at some point, it shifts again. And you're dough. And you realize, you know, this isn't so bad after all. I got through the salting and the mixing. This bowl, it's kind of comfortable. And then you feel the warmth. And you start to rise. And then you can see over the edge of the bowl. And you find yourself saying, I'm glad I'm not just flour or just honey because I wouldn't have this vision unless all of you were a part of me. How powerful this is. Look at what we see. We can see forever climbing out of the bowl, spilling out. This is life. This is wonderful. This is comfortable. And then you hear that sound, that clanking sound. What's that? What's that about? It's the opening of the oven. (laughs) And then you feel the heat. It's warm in the bowl, but it's hot in the oven. I don't want to go there. When's it going to stop? Why can't I just sit here in the bowl? Don't put me in the oven. I don't want to be in there. Don't close the door. It's too hot. I don't like it in here. It's too painful in here. I've been stretched enough. Stop the stretching already. Let me out. I don't want to be in here by myself. Why'd this have to happen? God, why'd this have to happen? And what do you say to this after all? And there in the oven, you hear these love words. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Not trouble. Not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not being forced into a bowl or pounded on the counter, not being put into the oven. Nowhere, no place can separate you. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing Nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, hot or cold, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus has embraced us. Nothing can separate us. We are never alone in the oven. In fact, in the oven, we become bread, purposeful, ready to feed and be fed, fit for the table, for the community, for life. And by the way, those words you just heard from the Apostle Paul, when he wrote them, 
he was in the oven. Questions. We've looked at them for this month. Will you dance? Will you grow? Will you trust? Will you rise? The truth is, we've not answered the questions. And there's more questions. And after more questions, there'll be further questions. And yet, it is the questions that make us people, just as it's the yeast that makes bread, bread. Amen.